Professor Brain Brown's research shows that vulnerability fosters good emotional and mental health. It is a sign of courage. We become more resilient and brave when we embrace who we truly are and what we are feeling. The Vulnerable Scientist Podcast is a space for scientists to tell their honest and authentic stories. I am your host, Saranya Kerry, who happens to be a scientist, informal science communicator, and I help scientists create personal websites. If you want to support this show, go to www.patreon.com slash thevulnerablescientist. You can also follow this podcast on all social media platforms at TV Scientist Pod. african-americans but they're not regarded african-americans by the other african-americans i don't know right so there's a separation between those who've been born and raised in the u.s Mm -hmm. for generations Mm -hmm. who were african-american and those who were african and came to america (laughs) and then there's there's i've never quite understood that uh some people say africans are not americans americans are not african and the actual and the and the other day i finally got an explanation it's like an old historic deep wound in that um at one point in the u.s there was a a a move to repatriate all anybody who was black it was like go back to africa Okay. You, you heard that a lot during the Trump era, and I didn't know where that was coming from. So somebody finally gave me a deep explanation, and they said people were reaching out to their African roots mm-hmm. and wanting to find themselves. This was like um, 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, if you're Polish or you're German and you want to find your Polish ancestors. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so... But you're born, that... born in America, for exactly. example. Exactly. Exactly. You're born, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also you have this thing called slavery that happened that, you know, your, your, your birth records and birth certificates aren't exactly in order if you go a few generations back. Yeah. And so during that time when people were starting to try and find themselves, mm-hmm. then it was the most bizarre thing that, I mean, but things never make sense it was like then oh let's send them all back to africa i was like but Mm -hmm. nobody ever decided to send the polish back to poland Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. or the italians back to italy Mm -hmm. Uh, and so the name african-american came about to remind people that we've been here in america for generations and we are are american even though we're african it's just like saying polish american okay okay but so why isn't, isn't there Italian American? There is. People okay. do say that. People say I'm Italian American. I'm Polish American, and you know, and some some families don't go back and forth. Some people, some families have have lost all ties. Some people, some families know where their relations are, but don't keep in touch. Others go back and forth. Okay. Um, okay. So there was a question of why can't that be the same for those who are African. And that's a very legitimate question. So where is the divide? So the African-Americans are the people who were, I don't know, can I explain? (laughs) 
Right. So, so, so those of us who were African are considered African. Okay. Either. Yeah. <laughs> even, even if you're born in America, born in America but, but your parents come from Africa, like not during the slave period. Oh. So it kind of starts up, but then you, then the, 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 and you also hear with African immigrants that their children, you know, they start saying, I came here as an African, my children have become African American, like they don't follow any of our traditions anymore. Mm. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, but then there's a lot, sometimes there's hostility about stealing jobs. And I'm like, I don't really understand how that happens, you know, but so it was, it was exhausting. So you're getting hostility from your own, okay, okay, all, okay, I don't know how to say it. All around, yeah. Yeah, all around, yeah, all around from all spaces. So it's like you're on your own, like literally. Yes. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. And I had moved to a place where I didn't have family or friends. Mm -hmm. And you're used to family. And I'm used to being in, in, in that kind of environment, yeah. Okay. Uh huh. So, how so that was. So, so it, it it did go well uh, psychologically, but mm. then the the crisis point was, uh, I was trying to get to a friend or family, and I get arrested for speeding, and they turn it into a felony conviction, mm -hmm. felony evasion of police. And what would normally have been a $500 speeding ticket turns into a $250,000 bail. And, so <laughs> and uh, you know, don't do this. I did it. It doesn't work. So when I'm there at the hearing, mm -hmm. I say not guilty. And when they start asking, uh, the defense attorney was saying things that I really didn't agree with. So I said, I want to defend represent myself mm -hmm. and being black you're considered to be stupid so you're told you can't represent yourself and not given an option and uh, so then I started trying to cite you know I one of the things you can do when when I learned the hard way in jail you can ask and you can read and it was some of the, some of the other people who were with me in jail saying you know you can ask for this and people study the law while in jail so I was like okay so I I went and I tried to make my own case, and the, the defense attorney said I was mentally incompetent. I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. So then I got so furious, I told them, look, I also grew up in Kenya, and this is called corruption and extortion, and when mm -hmm. I'm not paying the damn bail. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then they said that was proof that I was mentally incompetent. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Wait, so you you in jail? Yes, I spent 12 months. What? Yeah, as a, as a felon. Yeah, to your speeding. Yeah, to your speeding. Yes, I was, speed I was a felon for speeding. <laughs> okay, let me... Okay. Did you understand how that turned from speed to felony? So, when I finally got a good defense attorney uh, and it's sad to say that the one I didn't get along with and who declared me mental incompetent was female so it was, you know when people say oh. women are always the best I'm like nope 
Not really. <laughs> exactly. Not in all situations and not all women. Exactly. Yeah. So it was a male defense attorney that uh, took over the case and listened. And he actually, he said, he, he told me on the phone, he's like, I don't even know how to advise you other than just plead out. Plead guilty and get out. And he said, here's, here's why. Hmm. He said, they have you in this legal limbo. Uh, when she declared you mentally incompetent, you are now a ward of the state. Mm-hmm. Which means, and they, they even put me in a psychiatric facility and, you know, forced medication and everything. What? Yes. So he said, when you're a ward of the state, there is nobody, like, I as a lawyer can't do anything until your, your quote-unquote mental competence is restored. I was like, when did it ever leave? <laughs> That situation feels hopeless, like. (laughs) And he said, until somebody declares you back to mental, you know, the Britney Spears case that's been all over the news, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And in terms of uh, guardianship. So at that point, the state was my guardian. My parents could not reclaim me because I was 40 years old or more. Um, I could not defend myself because according to them, even though when they did the interviews, uh, the, the psychiatrist doing the interview said he had never seen such a sharp legal mind in his whole life. Mm-hmm. And then, but I'm mentally incompetent. Okay. <laughs> so wait, me, I don't understand. So how do you, how do, does a lawyer, that's a lawyer, right? Who says you're mentally incompetent? It was one lawyer that said I'm mentally incompetent. And the, the, the other lawyer realized that it was just hogwash, mm-hmm. uh, but then had no power to get me out until I became, quote, somebody which the court had to do declared me back to mentally incompetent. Mentally competent. But this is a lawyer. I don't understand. So how can a lawyer... See your mental incompetence that it is believed. Like that's a lawyer. That's yeah, not a just a doctor. statement. And and when I pointed out that there was there's a a clinical definition of mental incompetence, mm-hmm. and it has to be on a history, and it can't be six months, twelve months. It has to, and there there has to be prior research. Mm-hmm. Uh, the judges said that's our personal opinion. I was like, no, it's not. The, the, the state of California has clear constitutional mandate that you have to follow this procedure. And they said, no, we don't. So then I told them, you're no worse than a corrupt third world country judge. Wait, so what happens between you getting a speed? Be, okay, found that you're speeding. What happens between that and you becoming mentally competent in court? Like what happens like between those? One statement by the attorney in court. I mean, what happened yes, between you guys? Why did why did she? Because I told her I told her she was stupid. Because of what? Because of what, what has she? What has had she done? Because she she when she was interviewing me and my I do agree that when I was in living in the 
apartments that uh, that I was living in, every time I was being threatened, mm. I became my reaction was just to threaten back, you know. Mm. Defensive. 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 Mm. So she was saying that that was you know, you pick up the phone thinking you're going to talk to a defense attorney who's going to help you and she's like, I have all the evidence that you're guilty. And I'm like, are you the prosecution or are you my lawyer? Just listen to me. I'm like, no, I'm not listening to you because that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's that's how that conversation deteriorates. Oh, okay. <laughs> So, who, okay. so who, okay, you think it's a think speed it's a thing, speed speeding thing. thing. So, who so says who that says you that are felon? Like, I want to like understand, understand between speeding and felon. Oh, said, so said, so yeah. that is then, and I don't know how that came about because mm-hmm. the, the 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 police said I. So when that incident happened, uh, they. The, my license was temporarily suspended. I got it back. Mm-hmm. And there was about a three-month period. Mm-hmm. And in that... Oh, and then... oh, when, they, when So when they stopped me for speeding, they also put me in a medical institution against my will for... It was a 72-hour hold. Oh, and okay. they said... And then... They couldn't keep me because there was nothing wrong with me, which makes the the mentally incompetent diagnosis even crazier, right? Yeah. So they couldn't keep me because they, in that seventy-two hour hold, they couldn't find that I was there was something mentally deficient. So, but then there's three months of that, and then all of a sudden a bench warrant is triggered with this felony evasion of police charge out of nowhere. And it was like, what? <laughs> okay, what usually happens when you go to... Okay, when you find someone finds you speeding, what happens normally? Take me through that. So you, you, you get assigned a charge for the, the, the traffic offense. Mm-hmm. You go to a magistrate judge mm-hmm. and you pay the fine. Okay, so what it's happened? It's five hundred. Yeah. It was the first offense. It was first speeding offense ever in California. So the fine was five. Should have been five hundred dollars. Okay, so what happens, so what happens when, when, they f- when they f- what, that first interaction? That first what, interaction happens what happens between that between and you going to the hospital? hospital. You've been taken to the hospital by force. Oh, so the so I was never given the chance to go to a magistrate. They just took me to the hospital by force. For what For reason? What reason? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then they said, "Oh, because uh, there was no other place to put me since my family wasn't living in California." I was like, at that time I did have friends, but Oh, they didn't bother calling there, you know. Yeah. And so I was and you disappeared going to a for friend, a while. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So they said they did call, and that's also a lesson learned. They did call the university I was at, uh, Alliant, it's uh, in terms of psychology, that they did call the university, and the university said I was problematic. So. Oh. Mm. 
Okay, so let's go back so to your PhD. PhD. You're doing a PhD. <laughs> You're doing a PhD, <laughs> doing a PhD, PhD in organizational, organizational psychology, psychology, right? Right. So it was business. It was business, but the the business school was under the school of psychology. So mm-hmm. we had to sort of choose along those lines, like if you wanted organizational psychology, organizational design, things like that. Yeah, so yeah, what so what, apart from apart you from getting, this getting this ratio, ratio thing, I don't know how, how to call it. What 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 was what happening happen between you and the administration at that time? Was there any conflict? There any conflict? conflict in terms of there was an, an, a number of students that were feeling that we sort of weren't getting served. Um, I became very vocal about that. Ah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so if this so if this problem started with this, school, started with this school, right? right? I don't even know how to... Ca- it, it's like a, a confluence. Uh, and that's when I realized how dangerous hearsay is. Mm. Because, and the hearsay is a legal term where there's no physical evidence of something being wrong. It's just everybody saying something is wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so what that taught me is this rumor mill. And when people, when you have a, a, a series of people who decide that you're a problem, mm. get away from them. Mm. Because that rumor mill, which I never thought it was that bad, can build into a legal case mm. on hearsay alone, mm. right? Mm. And mm. when you have, and, 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 and it becomes sort of a, a group thing. Mm. And that was, I had never, I'd never thought that that was possible. And meanwhile, you know, the same people gossiping and saying things are like, oh, you better be uh, very careful about your reputation. I'm like, why? Mm. <laughs> you know, I'd never, I'd never had anybody challenge my reputation before. I was, you know, people always thought I was a good person. And yeah, sometimes I, it's difficult, but overall did the right thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you had so done you a pre med. You had mentioned that you'd done pre law, sorry. Pre law, yes. Before, after your BSc. BSc. That was BA, and then MSc. Oh, yeah. 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 So BA, it, it was pre law within the within the BA. Oh, like uh, minor something like that. Oh, okay, so between your BSc and your PhD, you had only worked in that one company that was doing policy-related work? Oh, no, I worked for, so I worked for a um, uh, consulting firm. I started working for, uh, after my master's, I worked for a consulting firm, Mm -hmm. uh, minority business uh, development. Mm -hmm. Then I worked for the city of Pittsburgh. And then the while working thing, the community, yeah, planning, de- oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. planning department, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of geographic information systems work there too. Mm-hmm. 
And while after doing that, um, when I got tired of the politics, I quit. Mm -hmm. And then I started my own consulting firm. The the policy analysis and research group. Oh, and then when I got yes, yeah. yeah, that was oh, mine. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. That's when, not That's what you not did what you before did you started your PhD. Oh, you're still doing it while you're doing your PhD. I no, I so I before I did the PhD, and then I started when I started the global ectropy, and I was having trouble mm. articulate right putting the ideas onto paper. Yeah. Is then when I decided to go for the PhD. All right. After All right. a lot of coaching. <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, that makes, okay sense. that makes sense. So, the so first time you first actually time you using actually your pre-law education, education was when was you were when caught. You were caught. Or yeah, I'm trying to defend you. myself. I'm like, yeah. well, you know, I studied this thing. Let me give it a try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it does help in terms of um, daily management and and thinking about issues you know mm. there, there's you know risk issues or or contractual issues and, and not that I'm a lawyer and, and not that I, I ever want to get into that level of detail in mm. terms of reading contracts but mm. it does help in terms of just thinking along those lines yeah but you are a reader <laughs> yes yeah. <laughs> okay so what happens now you've gotten this lawyer, the the male lawyer, who tells you what you can do. You were explaining that, like he's like now, he can't help you. So what was the? He said. So he said, we could f try and fight it. He he said, how is the past? By the time he he got my case, I'd been locked up for eight months. And he's like, how's the past eight months been? I was like, sure hell. Mm. <laughs> the food is horrible. Mm. <laughs> the the facilities are not exactly comfortable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said, "Think of." He said, "If we try and fight this in mm. court, mm. you could be here for another three years." And I was like, "You've got to be kidding me!" And he said, "You're so talented." Mm. He's like. I hate to tell you to plead guilty, but it's the easy way to get out and move on with your life. Mm -hmm. And he said, and because you're so talented, it sounds weird, but a felony's not going to be a big thing. And I'm like, what do you mean a felony's not going to be a big thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like, he's like, he's like, I'll, I'll talk to the, the the current judge and see if we can get you, you know, uh, probation without having, you know any restrictions or any and so they he worked that out mm -hmm. when i when i was let go it was just um on probation and and didn't even have to visit anybody or or uh, mm -hmm. check in with anybody mm -hmm. if, if i wanted to leave the country i could have or mm -hmm. it was just making sure that i didn't and there was three years within which i couldn't get into any trouble including a speeding ticket and I, I, and there was the option of leaving the state too. And I said, no, let me, let me, let me prove to whoever was crazy enough to put this cockamamie idea on my, my, my legal record that, so I stayed for three years and I did all that mm -hmm. and there was nothing wrong with it, you know. So you were still so you were doing still your PhD, doing PhD at that time, time, right? 
So oh, I withdrew from that university, and then I started uh, at, at Capella University, which actually, even though the, the experience with fellow students was really enjoyable, um, it was, again, during the dissertation period, and that's, I don't know, in, in the natural sciences, it's a little more difficult because you have your experiment and your data and, and there's something like that. But in the social sciences, especially business, mm. when you're trying to design the study, there's also a lot of subjectivity as to what the proper method is. And so, again, a difference of opinion. Mm -hmm. And that so that was my second attempt at PhD, and now I'm on my third wow, at Walden, wow. which has been a lot happier. <laughs> so, so uh, you, said you said Capella. That's still, That's in, still California. in California. No, that one uh, is in Minnesota. It's online. Oh, okay. uh, and then also Walden is online. Walden is actually one of the first online universities and it was all as old as the university of nairobi i think wow um and it was specifically designed for uh adults 40 and above who wanted to pursue their phd okay so which so phd which did, you did you do in the capella did you attempt in the capella so I still did. So I've been trying to do this business PhD forever, right? I started at Alliance, and I also did a business strategy and innovation at Capella, mm -hmm. and now I'm at Walden. I'm working on uh, business management. Oh, okay. And I got a uh, in in the process. I got a master in philosophy. I guess at some point you won his <laughs> at, at Walden um, after. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so how did how you transition, did you transition to, SDI? to SDI? S. S. Oh, Center, Center for Science and Technology Innovation. That actually, uh, one of the, I think it's the only time when I just gave up and and it just you know how sometimes it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And since it's an organization that that started, it had in 1998. Um, and at the time, there wasn't, so there was enough data to be that there was good, the emissions from climate change and all those effects would be felt globally. Mm -hmm. um, and the data had also shown that even though Africa had less emissions, mm -hmm. the effects would be as severe, if not more. And reason being, uh, in part, one, first of all, uh, as we're now experiencing with climate change, people are beginning to notice the variations in climate. That doesn't matter where you are, whether the, the emissions started here or there, it just happens. But secondly, the reason that there'd be felt more here is the lack of infrastructure yeah and also the uh lack of financial resources and governments to be able to deploy a relief mechanisms if 
extreme drought or extreme floods mm-hmm. occur. Oh, yeah. And also then there, there was no ins- insurance industries now becoming normal. But at the time, this was 1998, insurance in Africa. So you have lower incomes and there's no insurance. So if you have crop damage, if you have flood damage, if you have mm-hmm. fires, mm-hmm. how are you going to replace your, your, your personal effects or your, your things that happen? So, um, dad and a a bunch of colleagues decided to start figuring out how to use affordable, simple tech techniques. And they did did work in Sakai District in Makwini County. Mm -hmm. One was working with Kenya Meteorological Forecast to get the data, the meteorological forecast to include instructions for you know since the long and short rain seasons are changing Mm -hmm. when the rains come or when this forecast comes what do you do in terms of planting Mm -hmm. and they uh, provided data that was really helpful in terms of getting that adapted Uh, the other was um, collecting not water pans but sand dams and uh, being able to do water harvesting in a way that the what you call groundwater recharge so the water is not just sitting there it's also replenishing uh, below the surface Mm -hmm. we're doing a lot of borehole extraction I wonder if anybody thinks as we're getting the water out how's the water going back into below you know that hole that you drilled through the rock soil and all that Mm -hmm. Uh, and then uh, seed bulking and, and mulching and, and things like that. And at the time, um, Sakai District in Makweni was experiencing the same level of conditions that we see now in Marsabit, the, the pictures of animals dying and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's been stabilized. Wow. So wow. that, you know, that's proof that, you know, scientific innovation does help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the community has been able to keep on working with those um, uh, techniques that they were given and, and, and do that. Mm-hmm. So at that time, then, there was a call for that knowledge to then be transferred into a train-the-trainer type environment mm-hmm. and be able to share that knowledge with others. And that then created the Institute for Climate Change and Adaptation at University of Nairobi. Which is still going strong. Oh, okay. And so, um, oh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, you're seeing yeah, something. You're seeing something. Uh, and so that now has become uh, not only a regional in terms of all of Africa. There's also some international students coming in to learn there in terms of climate change adaptation strategies. And so around 2010. Uh, while starting ICCA, CSDI fell dormant, and then I came. I asked Dad, you know, what do I do after all this craziness that happened in California? Mm-hmm. And he said, Why don't you come home and and stay with me for a while and see if we can find something that you like? Mm-hmm. And um, then I started telling him, you know, what I was trying to do with global electropy and 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 what I was. So he said, what about circular economy? And I started looking into that, and I really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I said, could, it, could we make circular economy the focus of 
the Center for Science and Technology Innovation. He said, yes, but it still has to keep within this climate change umbrella. And so it's now since August 2016, sort of, uh, it was only until um, 2020 that I became executive director before I was just on the board. Uh, but it's been a listening tour on how to take that and put it into the innovation space. Circular what? Economy. What is that? What is that? To be able to take things that we normally think are waste and oh, oh. turn them into new products. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Uh, People think about plastics, um, uh, being able, you, you, we hear a lot about taking waste plastic, you can make, you can make uh, fuel out of it, there's a Darsh polymer, uh, they take um, plastic and turn it into the equivalent of a, 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 a heavy fuel oil that could be used for uh, boilers mm-hmm. uh, and, and things like that, There, but you can also create building materials. We did a training with the International Sustainable Collaborative Center, which is a project under GIZ, and looking at ways in which you, when it is and when it is not safe to turn plastics into new building materials, and looking at things like um, what types of additives are in the plastics. Uh, If there's lead paint in the plastic paint, then of course Mm -hmm. it's not safe. Um, yeah, and, and things like that, and the different types of emissions and, and toxins that come with different types of plastic formulations and realizing, as a biochemist, you'll know this, what, what they call the metabolites, right? So mm-hmm. sometimes things individually are not toxic, but then you mix them and they become toxic. Yeah, yeah. So uh, looking at those issues, and, and also uh, people... Think I'm crazy. So, so one of the things I started researching for the PhD, but uh, I set that aside because it's a, a little too scientific for for regular business. Mm-hmm. I got fascinated by biosurfactants, and mm-hmm. you can get those from in the fermentation process from food waste. You can get it from uh, animal slaughterhouse waste. You can get it from uh, sewage sludge, but all you're looking for are the microbes. Mm-hmm. And once you have those microbes, like somebody was telling me, like, please don't talk to me like that. I was telling them, you can take animal slaughterhouse and get the biosurfactants from that and turn it into medicine. Mm-hmm. And they're like, how can you do that? I was like, because you're just looking at the microbe. You're not looking. I was like, I'm not putting the, the, the slaughter, the, the dead pig in you. I'm just taking the microbe. Mm-hmm. You know, and somebody was like, "That's too much science for my brain." <laughs> it's kind of interesting. interesting. Yeah. So once you look at that, that's a whole new, because we 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 look at all these processes, and we have you know Dandora landfill, we have mm-hmm. we have accumulate, but what if all of that? could get reused into new and there are like there's there's a company uh, Michael Tile is one of them uh, they're um, taking like when you grow mushrooms and there's the 
the waste substrate, uh, mm. which mm. is the material that you use to grow the mushrooms, mm. you can turn that into building material. So they're making ceiling tiles. Wow. There's another one, Leafy Life. Uh, uh, they're taking the the diapers. That's a big, it's double because you have organic waste and you have plastic waste mixed. Mm -hmm. And that normally is a toxic combination if you try and do something with that. Mm -hmm. And instead of letting that go to light, uh, landfill, they're making uh, uh, biofuel for cooking. Right? So there's, there's, yeah. There's, there's just so many new things that can happen once you start thinking differently. Yeah. Such an interesting story. It's, uh, I didn't know so much about you when it came to, you know, what you've gone through to where you are right now. So let's talk about the pointers in terms of, of course, you've talked about uh, some of the laws, uh, but I would like to, you know, just you to go through and point out the laws that you've experienced throughout this journey to where you are right now. Some, I think, and having studied psychology helped. Because one of the things it did was also, despite the negative experience that I had at one institution, it, it's also made me more comfortable being around psychologists mm -hmm. and understand how to decide the type of therapist that works well with one and doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. one of the things I've realized is when you're in a creative space or when you're in, in doing things that are constantly new, mm -hmm. it's a threat to personal identity emotionally. So you go through highs and lows and, 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 and people think it's, ma I mean, I, I, I don't, there are people who have a legitimate manic depressive disease, but it, it, I think it's also just sometimes like you were saying, how does it feel to be in a place where everybody's attacking you and you, your family's not there? Mm -hmm. And there are times when you're in the creative space or you're in the management space and you feel the same way. And my favorite joke is, and it's on the internet somewhere, it's, it's uh, a man and it, his mother comes in and says, you have to go to work. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't want to go to work. And she's like, you really have to go to work today. It's Monday morning. You have to go to work. And he's like, no, I don't want to go to work. And she's like, why don't you know, don't want to go to work? He's like, I'm tired. I, I go into work and they're always talking about me and I, I can't take it anymore. I don't want to go to work. And she, he's like, his mother goes, but you're the CEO. <laughs> mm. You have to go to work. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that space is very common for leaders. Okay. It's very common for innovators. It's very common for people who are relocating from one place to another. Um, it's The French call it anomie. Uh, I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but um, you, you, you start wondering who you are and where you are. And 
not so much, you know, you see these artists go, what's my purpose? And I don't interpret it that way as, as whereas what's my connection, right? You, you start wanting to know where's, where, where's your landing? Where, where are the people who love you? Where, where is it that you feel safe? Mm. And what I've learned is instead of thinking that you like, you know, when you go for every six months, every three months, you go for a regular physical exam to make sure your blood and everything, your physical system is in order. Mm -hmm. I've learned to do the same with my mental health, like have create a network of physicians mm -hmm. who can help me when I start saying, I think I've been upset about this for a little too long and they have techniques and they're like okay so how do you want us to help you work through that mm -hmm. right and you get because sometimes you get stuck uh, mm -hmm. and you need you need somebody who's objective and professional to help you get unstuck uh, just like you need a, a physical trainer or a coach So, um, so, um, there's something you said, like, like right, right psychology, psychologist. Uh-huh. So, so, do you want to talk about that? Talk like, that they are wrong psychologists? Oh, no. Oh, the right person for you. <laughs> right person for you. <laughs> What I've learned is um, just like, you know, there's sometimes there's perfectly wonderful people and you don't get along and you don't yeah, know how to explain yeah. why you don't get along. Yeah. The same yeah. thing happens with a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And they're also the more that you learn, like for me, cognitive behavioral therapy, that's my thing. Like a psychologist who takes me through that, we're mm -hmm. good. A psychologist who takes me through talk therapy, I'm like, Bye. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> uh, what, what psychologist told me, if I try to get you to talk therapy, all you do is deflect. And I'm like, and I'll keep on deflecting. I really don't want to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because I, 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 I'm very task-oriented. Mm -hmm. So for me, talking, like after 10 minutes of talking, I'm like, okay, I told you. Here's my problem now. What am I supposed to do about this? And in talk therapy, mm -hmm. you you talk your way through something. Mm -hmm. And after 10 minutes, I was like, I don't have anything more to say. I'm done. <laughs> I know I am laughing. And then, you know, somebody could then say, oh, let's talk about it in a different way. I'm like, no. I, I. <laughs> There's no need to talk about it in a different way. You asked me what the problem was. Mm -hmm. I told you, now let's move on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and and if there's, and, and what you learn is that psychologists are specialized in different techniques. Mm -hmm. So if you're, for me, my what I learned is if I'm in a session with somebody who's highly specialized and has spent a lot of time learning talk therapy and mm -hmm. is very successful with talk therapy with other people, mm -hmm. They're sitting looking at me like, 
you need to talk. And I'm like, no, I don't. Okay. And so, even, even so. yeah, even even, but there's always some level of both, mm-hmm. uh, because like even my the, the the psychologists that use cognitive behavioral therapy are like, so you 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 do have to say something in the session, you know, <laughs> we need information <laughs> to be able to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but it is so, but less, of less of that and, that and more of more yes. activity. activity. Okay. Yes. yes. Ah. Ah, thanks for sharing thanks for light sharing on that. Light. I didn't know about know this, about honestly. This okay. okay. <laughs> and those are just two techniques, I should mm. say, because mm. I'm okay. I'm not a psychologist, but there are many more techniques, therapeutic yes. techniques. Yeah. Okay, so that should let someone know that if something doesn't work for you, please, please if the, a psychologist doesn't work for you, there's another one who would work for you. And also, there's also different methods that things can be handled. That's that's good information. Um, throughout this journey that we've experienced this um, certain lows, what are the high points that you can talk about? Discovery points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every time uh, there's a, 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 a tra- what I call a transformative aha moment, what my my mentor, Crochet, when I was working at the city of Pittsburgh, he had a different term for it. He's like, come to Jesus moments. Right? <laughs> come to Jesus moments. <laughs> You're like, this is so clear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so any, like the, the aha about that experience in undergrad could help me be a good innovation director in Kenya. That was a high. Um, And now with distance, the whole fiasco in California Mm. made me realize for example, putting it in a different context, the rumor mail or the hearsay about mm-hmm. Africa is always so negative, right? Mm-hmm. And, oh, poverty and starving children and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Animals on the road. Animals on the road. <laughs> and bush people with no clothes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So then to when you start saying we want to do synchrotronic physics microscopes and advanced biotech research Mm. it's like me being in the court saying i'm not crazy right and you realize yeah you realize how much it's like statistically logically it's Mm. the most irrational thing to say there's no discovery in Africa. There are no scientists in Africa. There's no capability of this in Africa. It's just statistically impossible, especially given whether locally trained or foreign trained. You know, if you see Vanderbilt University, and if you think somebody from Vanderbilt University can do a good job in the U.S., why is it that you think that because they're African and they come back to Africa, they can't use that degree to do the same thing that they would do in the U.S.? You know. Mm-hmm. But it's that hearsay 
It's that hearsay of saying you're mentally incompetent that has become the prevailing narrative, right? So I realized, I was like, wait a minute, as, as, as warped as that experience was, it now helps me understand the challenge of being able to say this can be done here because I have to silence all those hearsay voices. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Like it's a big thing to learn from a very bad situation. And 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 that actually no talk about that that was another high point which uh, multiple therapists said you control your life story mm. so just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean that that's who you are or that's what defines you yeah so what are what and they asked me what was the narrative about Cecilia before all this happened I was like mm. and we came one of the things that came out Cecilia is a positive person. And I said, so what is the positive thing you can take out of this? And it took years. I mean, it's it, you know, it wasn't something in the first two, yeah. three years I wouldn't be saying anything positive about it. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> that's been what that was to twenty twelve. So there's been some distance now. Yeah. Okay. What are the hobbies that you engage in when you're not doing? innovation related stuff and science stuff and <laughs> I watch YouTube videos for innovation. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you okay, so you your YouTube if I u- was to use your phone, I'll always get notifications of videos coming up to do with innovation, right? Yeah, and that's what, you know, people say AI tracking is a bad thing. I love it because Google's out there finding things for me to look at. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. interesting. What else do you do 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 in your free time? Mm, I'm learning how to have free time. Literally, okay. I mean, I used to, and, and that, that that's another thing that I'm going through coaching is like you, you get so used to having to meet deadlines. Yeah. yeah. So the, the psychologist would ask me to like monitor how many days off. Mm. And I looked back and I was like, okay, in the past three years, maybe I've taken 10 days off. Wow. <laughs> wow. And they were like, and then you're wondering why you feel burned out. I'm like, uh, I was like, so is that a problem? They're like, mental fatigue is as bad as physical fatigue. I was like, oh. <laughs> the whole time you the didn't realize there's something, something wrong or there's possible something. It's like, normal, I'm tired. Normal. I'm tired. I'm feeling tired. They're like, have you? Have you sat down to think why? No. Mm. <laughs> I'm just tired. Yeah, I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's new. That's okay, it's not new. It's it happens like people don't even realize that there's a need to have free time. 
or do something else that is, has nothing to do with work, as much as you really love what you do, there's no need to have a break and yeah, do something. Life, life balance, put life yes, into yes. it. You know? Yes, yeah. And I can actually relate to that. But anyway, that's why I laugh when you're when you post in my LinkedIn about being in the lab. I'm like, okay, uh, uh, I'll give her the advice. I'm not using. Get out. <laughs> and you realize most people who are very good advisors, they know everything that they need to do, but don't do it. I'm seeing it. I'm like, you know, I, I, the perfect when you went hiking. I'm like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> not doing that. Do you hike? I love hiking. That's why oh. I was so excited. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ah. Ah. Why have you hiked? Recently. Recently. Uh, the last hike was with friends. Okay, that and that was what maybe three years ago. We have friends in Taita Taveta. Uh huh. Where uh-huh. exactly did you go? Kasigao. Kasigal. Kasigao. 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 Mm-hmm. Is it? What is it? What is it? Uh, a little town. Uh, near near. Uh, I think I think it's Mount Kasigao. Okay. In Taita Taveta, in, in in the it's in the 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 low not in Taita Hills but in in the low low side of, but just beautiful. I mean, it was. Uh, and actually, I one of the things that I loved there was so this is like the double sword of there's at the time I I still think there's uh, problems with uh, electricity reaching there. In terms, the the transmission lines are there, but there's no current. <laughs> okay, um, okay. But the beautiful part about that is nightfall, <sighs> and seeing the stars. Yeah. And by seven, of okay. course, we're for those who don't understand Kenya, we're at the equator almost. So by seven p.m., it's mm. dark. Yeah. And you can just sit outside with a cool breeze and your coffee or your beer and literally watch the stars you know when you read about the greeks sitting out watching the stars and you're like why you sit there and you suddenly realize this is the most fascinating i could do this and i did it when i was there every Mm -hmm. night Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you just see the stars go by and i asked my father i was like my God, I mean, I didn't know it was so beautiful. And he was like, that's how I grew up, you know, watching mm-hmm. the stars. Mm-hmm. And and then you come back to Nairobi and you try and look for the stars and you can't see it because <laughs> like, there's so many lights. And you're like, okay, I want my electricity, but I want to see the stars. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so that this is it, this is it's just that... It's just that. You have to find have a to very find vast, a vast area that area has that no has electricity. electricity. It's so hard. Exactly. And then you start thinking about you want to bring electricity to those places. And the more we have that, the more we lose our ability to. So I'm not saying no to the electricity, but how do we do it? In a, in a, in a, in a, oh, here's a crazy idea. Like, can we put a light shield? <laughs> so that, yeah. You know, 
so that we have our lights, but it doesn't reflect up into the, the sky. sky. Yeah, <laughs> we can still see the sky. <laughs> That's a great idea. Did that, Did that, that idea just that happen idea right just now? Happen like, right now? Like, just like, thought about it right now. Yeah, okay, yeah, I do things <laughs> like that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I realize I that. that. <laughs> like the AI, the AI mattress that I posted on yeah, your LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like. I was reading what you were saying and I was like, ooh, oh, okay, I could talk about that. <laughs> How do How you feel, feel after, after having this conversation? conversation? This was fun. Mm -hmm. I think every scientist should talk like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe we 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 come up with a a um a a, a dreamscape podcast. Dreamscape. Dreamscape. Yeah. Dreamscape. So that that's a a term that floats around a lot in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of landscape dreamscape, and. There's actually UNESCO starting this in terms of future storytelling. Yeah. And when we see sci-fi movies, that's mm. storytelling. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we do a lot of storytelling on what's up, like, oh, the COVID vaccine is going to kill you, mm. which it doesn't. Yeah. But yeah. that's storytelling, right? Yeah. So instead of being afraid of technology, what if we did future storytelling and dreamscape like, you know, light shields and... And talk about them and yeah. ideas and yeah. what we're thinking. Mm, okay. Yeah. Like an audio, just audio? It could start audio and then I don't know, maybe maybe we see who likes what's hiking what's and <laughs> <laughs> how many crazy scientists can you take on a hike and keep them focused on the conversation <laughs> instead of the science around them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Sorry, Sorry I had asked the question. Uh -huh. Did you finish, Did you finish the, answer the answer on how you feel about having this conversation? Oh, that is that. Okay, I need to talk more about that. As in, as in did you finish? I'm just asking. <laughs> just asking. Yes. Right. So, so I think we are done. We are done with this yes. podcast. Okay. podcast. Talked for long. Talked for long. Oh my god. Okay. So how do you feel about this conversation? Um I wasn't sure of what I was going into when I was having this conversation. Well I was like I, I wanted to know and 
now when I'm done, like, okay, not necessarily done, but I'm like, wow. I was just scribbling things. I don't know if, of course, you can see. I was just scribbling things <laughs> while you were talking. <laughs> and was, it's my, now the page is full. Okay, two pages, they're full of different things that you've talked about. Um, and there's so much, so many new things. At the same time, there are some other things that were there, but they were not like pronounced in my head. And I, I don't know, it feels good to have, it's like I was in a place where my mind was just going. <laughs> mm -hmm. You hear something, you're like, oh, by the way, I didn't think about that. Or why didn't I think more about this? Or how, like uh, also seeing the passion that you have about the things that you do and what you want to do and helping the people around you. It's amazing. It's very refreshing, actually. Yeah, someone who's not, like, focused on... Yes, there is the money. There is the need for the money, but not necessarily focused on that for yourself. It's more of well, how can you... I use my brain because you have a very rich brain. How can I use that to help the people around me? It's very... Well, you know, so, so somebody, it was one of those people who you meet one off and gave me a phrase that stuck with me for life, which is you discover yourself through others. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it was, it was, oh, you, you asked me about Hyde. And, and once I, I heard that, mm -hmm. I then realized that that discovery thing, you know, it's very scientific in, in an abstract sense, but when you start looking at others around you as an opportunity to discover yourself. Mm. And part of that was, um, I'm highly introverted. Everybody, nobody believes me, but I'm like a mega. So this person was trying to help me get out of my shell at the time mm -hmm. and feel comfortable talking to strangers. Mm. And they're like, once we give you a, a, a specific topic, you're very good at talking. Mm -hmm. Just keep on doing that because you discover yourself through others. And that, that was life-changing. That mm -hmm. was life-changing, yeah. Don't mind me. Don't I'm, mind writing, me. That I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> 